Well, I hope you're at John chapter 21. And the title of my message this morning is Follow Me No Matter What. Follow Me No Matter What. We have a very interesting society, culture within our uh, wonderful United States of America today. And the culture is no longer built upon independent thinking, but it is now built upon collective thinking. And once you can get the masses to move in a certain direction, regardless of it being right or wrong, that is the, uh, the momentum that carries the masses into certain places, certain philosophies, certain ideologies, even into certain brand embracement. We move as a community. We move as a uh, collective community today rather than encouraging independent thinking. Here at Calvary Chapel, we want you to be part of a community, a body of believers, but we never want you to just uh, dismiss or abandon critical thinking, independent thinking whatsoever. Because it's much easier to control something that's moving in a collective direction than try to control something that's moving in an independent direction. We want you to be part of the body of Christ. That's the collective. We want you to be using your gifts, your talents, for the edification of the body of Christ. That's the collective. But you are an individual before God. And what God has called you to may not be what God has called me to do. Say, so I'll say that again. What God may have called you to do is not necessarily what God may have called me to do. And there's that individuality that must be embraced and must be appreciated amongst the body of Christ if the body of Christ is going to function properly. But today, it's a different story. Today, people seem to withdraw. They don't want to be different than the collective masses. If a certain brand is popular, then people flood to that brand regardless of the quality of it today. If, people have, if there's an ideology that people are embracing, people will flood to that ideology, and they do so simply because the masses tell them that it's okay. A philosophy, a movement, whatever it may be. But in the Bible, when we are called upon to follow Jesus Christ, there is a collective value in play where our calling does work within the sphere of the body of Christ, but there is also an individuality to that calling. That individuality is what sets us apart. It allows us to be who God has uh, called us and equipped us to be within the body of Christ, and we should look to fulfill that, therefore allowing the body of Christ to oper operate properly. Because here is what I've discovered, that Two people could be sitting next to each other in church, one being blessed of the Lord, the other one going through difficulties and trials of the Lord, and there be envy on the part of the one who's going through difficulties, viewing and seeing the one that is experiencing the blessing. But if you've been a Christian for any length of period of time, you know that you go through times of blessing, right? But you also go through times of difficulty. We're going to have a period of both within our life. 
This morning I bring you to Peter and to one of the most unique, extraordinary portions of John's gospel, not found in any of the synoptic gospels. Peter undoubtedly was an icon within the gospels amongst the apostles. Peter was known for his head, being headstrong. He was known for his self-confidence in his own personal abilities. Uh, he was known for speaking his mind. Tack was something that Peter rarely considered. But he was one of those guys who loved the Lord. But all the synoptic gospels record for us and this gospel that Peter denied the Lord. That Peter denied the Lord. Even though Peter made such a statement... Even if all of these are to deny you, speaking of the other men that he was with, there in the upper room, spending the last supper, the last meal with Jesus before his crucifixion, even if all of these guys deny you, I never, ever will. Wherever you go, I will follow, no matter where it is. And Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, before this night is out, three times you will have denied me before the rooster crows in the morning. Peter was fully convinced that within and of himself that he was able to carry such an edict as follow me. And yet he was going to be challenged to the core as circumstances changed, as difficulties arose, as his Lord and Savior was brought into a place that appeared to be that of subjection to his own creation. Peter's heart would be troubled even in relation to a young girl approaching him next to a fire and saying, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter says, no. Three times Peter denied the Lord. But John loved Peter. There's no doubt about it. And John wanted you and I to know what happened to Peter. We know that as the news came that the tomb was empty, as Mary brought that news back to the disciples, two went out running to see for themselves this empty tomb. It was John and Peter. But it's interesting that John records for us that the disciple in whom uh, the Lord loved outran Peter to the tomb. And I often wondered, I often wondered, in Peter's enthusiasm and in his motivation as he ran towards the tomb, did he begin to think, what if it's true? that the tomb is empty. Uh, what, is it, what if it's true is that the last time I saw the Lord, it was after I denied him. What if it's true that the tomb is empty? But it was Peter who barreled in because he wanted to know that it was true. It was the angels that set forth and asked to bring Peter to them because God had an appointment with Peter. You and I are beginning a brand new year. And you know, if we don't make goals and objectives for ourselves through the course of the years, probably very little is going to change in the direction that we want to see things change. We have to set a goal before us, an objective before us. And maybe some of you have done that already. And the whole concept of New Year's resolution. Anybody make a New Year's resolution? Raise your hand. Okay, how many broke your New Year's resolutions already? 
We all do. We all make these resolutions of some sort. Maybe not as formal as making a declaration saying today I'm going to make a resolution that this is what I'm never going to do again or this is what I'm going to do, etc. And we can have all the good intentions in the world. But let us not forget the failures of Peter that relied on his own personal self-confidence and that moved him to the place of abandonment when he needed to be bold for the Lord. We started with Peter in this series called Follow Me. We will conclude with Peter this morning. Because Peter blew it. Peter denied the Lord three times just as the Lord anticipated he would. And we read that he went and wailed. He grieved deeply for what he had done. It was a, it was a repentance that couldn't even be uttered with words. He was so moved in his heart, for he loved the Lord. But the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Maybe that was your year last year. Hey, the things I wanted to do, I didn't do. Those things I don't want to do, those things I do perfectly. I want this year to be different. Your year will be different by beginning to follow Jesus. The two words that Jesus offered Peter at the beginning are the last two words that Peter uh, hears the Lord say to him. Peter, you follow me no matter what. But Peter was getting distracted. Peter heard something that he didn't know how to process. Peter's following Christ was going to end up and result in his own personal death. And Peter, being the man of God that he was, seeing John following from a short distance behind Jesus and Peter, turned and said to Jesus, What about this disciple? If I'm going to have to lay down my life, what about this guy? He's going to have to go through something too, right, Lord? Really? If I'm going to die, what about him? And Jesus very clearly, very specifically tells Peter, don't worry about him. What I have for him, I have for him. What I have for you, I have for you. There's the individualism. This is what we have to be considered, uh, concerned with as we go forward. Because one of the things that we are going to do this year here at church is we are going to encourage you, we are going to challenge you to discover how God has gifted you and how God would have you serve within the body of Christ. Because we are all part of this body. And if any one of us isn't functioning properly, the body isn't functioning properly. So Peter here is... His eyes are on John. His eyes are on someone else. He is distracted. And Jesus brings the uh, conversation back to him. Let's pick it up in verse 20. And then we'll back up. And Peter turned and saw the disciple in whom Jesus loved, that is John, following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord... Who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, For it is, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? You, what? Follow me. 
Father, we come before you on this New Year's Day. As we start a new year here at Calvary Chapel, Father, let us learn from this past year, from our successes, from our failures. Let's rejoice in the fruit that you brought about within our lives. But let us learn, Lord, from those times in which we have gotten distracted, that we had failed, that we had overestimated ourselves and underestimated our need to rely on you. Father, this year, 2015, let our whole life, our whole church turn a corner as we choose, not only individually, but collectively, to follow you no matter what. Father, bless us as we are in your word today. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. For the last 10 weeks, we have looked at 10 different accounts in where Jesus invites people to follow him. Then qualifying those accounts, accounts, those invitations, allowing the individual to know exactly what they are committing to before they commit to it. And we've looked at all of those, and we've hopefully rediscovered what we set out to rediscover, and that is, what does Christianity look like? Because once Christianity has settled within a culture for any length of period of time, throughout history we have discovered that the culture often infiltrates the Christianity, and the Christianity becomes distorted and no longer looks like biblical Christianity. It becomes watered down. It becomes ineffective. It becomes diluted by the culture. So I think we need a little bit of a wake up. I think we need to rediscover again. Reintroduce ourselves to what Christianity actually looks like. And hopefully as we've gone through these follow me invitations, these statements and the qualifiers that were um, attached to them, we've rediscovered what we were doing when we were, when we were uh, choose to follow Jesus Christ in our own personal lives. Now there isn't any ambiguity. Now we understand He is Lord, He is King, He is Sovereign God, and I am His servant in each and every case. But Peter gives us an example here at the end. And that example is... God restoring one who has failed, who has fallen, who has gone as far as to deny the Lord himself. Undoubtedly, Peter must have wrestled with the whole idea, is restoration possible? And here we discover that Jesus is looking to restore those who are his, those who love him, and those in whom, whom he loves. And maybe today, you looked at this last year in your Christian life, and you're unhappy with some things. You knew that you're not where God would want you to be. God is in the restoration business. And if we confess our sins and Allow him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And not only does he restore Peter, but he recommissions him. He says, okay, Peter, now, now is the time. It is going to be you who's going to lead them, feed them, tend to them. It is you. And the basis of that leadership will be upon your love for me. 
For as we discover here in verse 15, as we back up and bring our text into context, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? There is debate in which some are questioning what Jesus was referring to. Was he referring to the fish because he was near the seashore? The nets, the old life that Peter occupied? Or was he referring to the other disciples? I personally believe he was referring to the other disciples. Because Peter made the the comment that no matter what these men did, this is what I'm going to do. And so now Jesus simply asked, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, that is Peter, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times. Undoubtedly, Peter would have remembered his trifecta of denial, his hat trick of denial. And now Peter is being drawn to the reality of his own personal inability, his own personal weakness, his own personal limitations. I love you, but sometimes my flesh doesn't convey that. Lord, I love you with all of my heart, but sometimes I don't act as if I do. And that's what Peter was grieved by. There is also wordplay going on here that some find significant and others do not. Twice, Jesus said to him, do you love me? And the word that he used was agape. Unconditionally, do you love me, Peter? And every time Peter replied, he said, Phileo, I love you. The unconditional love was a unique love, a a love that will move an individual to move past themselves and to sacrifice themselves for the cause of Christ. Phileo was a brotherly, a friendship type of love. And in the last of the three, Jesus uses the word phileo, and it appears that he is grieved because for the third time he is asked, by the Lord, do you love me? Is he grieved because it was three times? Was he grieved because it reminded him of his, his uh, third uh, denial of the Lord himself before the Lord turned and they saw face to face? It's interesting to consider. Some believe that those words were used interchangeably throughout the Gospel of John and there's no significance to it. But here I think Jesus was calling Peter to a deeper level of love. Conviction will bring you back to the Lord in repentance. But it is love that will cause you to fall upon him and to embrace him and to allow him to pick you back up and to restore you and to move you forward. He was grieved in his heart. And now he has the opportunity for restoration. And what the Lord is concerned about is his love. You know I love you, Lord. 
How often do we say that in our hearts? Lord, I love you, but often my actions don't mirror that reality. It's that love that will cause us to fall upon our knees, fall upon the, the feet of Christ and just say, forgive me, my Lord, forgive me, restore me. It is interesting to me that often when I grow discouraged or I feel distant from the Lord, one of the greatest renewers of my heart is the reality of the love of God for me. Where I simply sit back and I open his word and I begin to read the grace that he continuously demonstrated through the person of Jesus Christ that culminated in the greatest act of sacrifice and demonstration of love that this world has ever known, and that is Christ going to the cross. And when I'm reminded of that type of love, it is that kind of love that moves me. I love God because he first loved me and he demonstrated that love by giving of the only begotten son on my behalf. It's hard to remain in a place of discouragement. It's hard to remain in a place of being downtrodden when you know that God loves you to that degree. Lord, I love you. It grieved Peter's heart to hear it three times. He recommissions Peter, bringing him to the point of apostleship, allowing him to lead once again. And then he hears these words. Truly, truly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter now listens to words that are truly going to take him back. Peter, I'm restoring you. You are going to be an apostle. You are going to lead these people. But here's the deal. It's going to cost you your life. It's going to cost you everything. Giving him an idea in how he was going to glorify God through his death. In actuality, it was meant to encourage Peter. You say, well, how in the world is that? Peter denied the Lord when he thought his life was on the line, when he thought he could be arrested, when he thought he could be tried for sedition after following Jesus for three years. Peter is now being told by the Lord, where you thought you would succeed and you discovered because you failed, I'm going to tell you now that your death is going to glorify me. That Peter, what you weren't capable of doing before, you will be capable of doing in the future. You will glorify me in your death. But your service to me will end with your life being taken. And then those words are repeated that we began with. The same words that Peter started with are words that he hears now at this moment. Follow me. Follow me no matter what. Follow me no matter what. It's hard to get back up after you have fallen. 
It is very difficult for many Christians to get back up once they have made a mistake. And many have not made the mistake that Peter has, and that is to deny the Lord in the Lord's own hearing. But I'm reminded by the words of Jeremiah in one of the most sorrow-drenched books of the Old Testament, the book of Lamentations. As Jeremiah is hiding in a cave and writing these words, we discover this amongst his writings. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It is those words that we must rely upon to know how the Lord will react to our repentance. It is these words that Jesus then qualifies to Peter. Peter, understand that in this restoration, it's going to cost you your life. I want each and every person here to know what is being said to Peter. It's going to cost you everything. The manner in which we are to present ourselves as individuals before God is that of a living sacrifice before him. What does that mean to you? Paul admonished us, commanded us, to lay our lives before the Lord as a living sacrifice, which is our only response to our reasonable service or our reasonable worship in the light of all that God has done for us, what does that mean to you? To me, it means not my will, but the Lord's will be done in my life. It means it's not about me anymore that is being screamed by the culture around us continuously, that it should be all about us even forming Christianity in some places to a faith that is simply a supplement to allow us to be all that whom we want to be and allowing Christ to follow us as our cosmic butler serving us and our every whim and our every want that we may have. But Paul, Peter, John, Jude, James, they all had the same idea. We're living sacrifices before the Lord. And so the Lord may not call you to martyrism like he had Peter, but he is calling you to lay down your life, denying thyself, taking up the cross, and following after him. If we are going to start afresh and anew this year in following God, we must repent of those things that have held us back, We must get rid of them. We must embrace the love that Jesus Christ has for us after that repentance, allowing us to get back up and following after him. And then we must calculate the cost and the cost is it's going to require our entire lives. And this is where Peter then says in verse 20, which we began with, well, Peter then turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This is John. I like how John gets dragged into this. The one who also leaned on, uh, back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is this that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? I think one of the easiest, quickest ways we can get distracted is if we put our eyes on everyone else around us rather than upon the Lord in our own personal life. What God may do through my life 
will be different than what God does through your life. What God has called me to, he may have called you to something completely different. It isn't about what about them. Oh Lord, what about her? Or what about him? Or what about them? It's what about you? And the response that Jesus gives Peter is one that I think we can all learn from. We must get our eyes off of others and onto the Lord. We must get our eyes off of others and onto the Lord. See, not only are our eyes on others, but often at the same time we're kind of cross-eyed because we've got one eye on them and one eye on us. Because we want to be like them. We want to experience what they're going through. But that's only when they're being blessed. When people are going through very difficult trials, we're like, thank God we're not them. We cannot compare ourselves to anyone else. We must understand that it's an individual, personal commission that God has set us forth upon. And therefore, by fulfilling that, we are serving Him, and we do it regardless of what's happening around us. This is a great illustration. You know, how many times have you heard, maybe from your children, they went off somewhere, they were playing with their friends, and all of a sudden, they get brought home by the police department because they've done something stupid. Okay, this has only happened to me. Have it happened to you guys? And I remember being brought home by the police because of doing something stupid. And my dad looked at me and he goes, What were you thinking? And I remember my, but dad, they did it too. But dad, they took more than I did from the 7 Eleven. I only took this, they took all that. I'm better than they are. And then you got that line. I don't know if your dad ever used this with you, but he used it with me. If all of your friends were to jump off a cliff, would you follow after them? Well, we had to be honest, you know. (laughs) We would have. We had this swing set down at the park. And after we got tired playing on the swings, we learned how to climb to the top of it and jump off the top of it. And even after the first guy twisted his ankle, the second guy still jumped out afterwards and then got up and laughed at the guy who twisted his ankle. Yeah, these are good friends. We cannot judge ourselves. We cannot gauge ourselves. We cannot qualify our own personal actions based upon what everybody else does around us. Jesus looks at you. He looks at what you have done and what you are doing. And he determines That's where obedience must be found, what you do. I don't care what everybody else is doing. You know, Jeremiah could have said very easily, you know, Lord, they're all forsaking you, so I'm going to too. But he didn't. He stopped preaching, but then it got too much for him to resist, and he came back to it. The point is, is that we are individuals before the Lord. And though we often see ourselves just in a collective mass before God, it is actually individually that God looks upon each and every one of us. Peter, don't get distracted with John. Whatever I have for him, I have for him. What does that matter to you? You follow me. You follow me. You keep your eyes on me. And allow me to do in and through you 
that in which I desire to do. This new year poses new potential and new opportunities for us all. These words, follow me, are critical to the health of your Christian life. These words, follow me, is where it all begins for you and I who are Christians. Peter was called and began to follow the Lord for three years. He got in some trouble. He got in some difficulty, but the Lord restored him. If last year was a difficult year for you, if you feel like you've wandered away from God in your heart and uh, you haven't put him first, come on back. Come on back. Come on back today. But understand that following Christ will require your whole life. It'll require all of you. It'll require every aspect of you. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you, not just a part of you. And wherever the Lord may have you go, you must be faithful and obedient to that. Regardless of what he does to other people, through other people, regardless of where he leads others, you must be faithful to what God has called you to do. And that begins by following him and keeping your eyes upon him for 2015. As one wrote, one commentator wrote, some disciples can be easily distracted by unnecessary questions about God's secret will. As a result, they neglect God's plainly revealed will. God's plan for Christians varies and his reasons are not often made known. Peter was to commit himself to God's plans and his commands to Peter and Peter alone. When Jesus said, another commentator wrote, when Jesus said, you follow me, Jesus' words apply to us today. Instead of worrying about what he will do or is doing with other believers, our focus should be upon his command to follow him to ourselves. And lastly, one wrote these words from Warren Worsby. I love them. The Lord rebuked Peter and reminded him that his job was to follow and not to meddle into the lives of other believers. Beware when you get your eyes off of the Lord and start to look at other Christians. Looking unto Jesus should be the aim and practice of every believer. To be distracted by ourselves, our circumstances, or by other Christians is to disobey the Lord and possibly get detoured out of the will of God. Keep your eyes of faith on Him and on Him alone. As one wrote, and we'll close with this, Our Lord's words, follow me, must have brought new joy and love to Peter's heart. Literally, Jesus has said to him, keep on following me. And immediately Peter began to follow Jesus as he had done before his great denial. Confess anything you need to confess. Get right with the Lord today. Lay your life before him this morning and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in 2015. I can't do it myself, Lord. Peter couldn't do it himself. He needed the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill such a commitment. 
And then lastly, and most importantly, follow Christ. Keep your eyes on Christ. No matter what happens, follow me, he says.